Now we're going to begin a journey through a new book of the Bible. So grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. And if you didn't get a journal before service, you can grab one after. We have some journals for the book of Proverbs and our journey through it. And I would encourage you to get one and take notes. Um, in chap uh, first service, we, we kind of made it down to verse 7. And um, in kind of an intro into the book of Proverbs. So, you know, there's nothing by chance. So there's a reason why we're going through the book of Proverbs. And I think God is getting ready to prepare our congregation for the next phase. God is definitely doing something. Close to 40 people getting baptized next Sunday. Um, a bunch of people signed up to serve for VBS, which is amazing. I love that. You know, when people take off to serve at VBS, that means something uh, as God is pouring into children this generation that is so critical that they hear the word of God because of the world that they live in. And as we go through the book of Proverbs, I think it's going to begin to prepare us for a different level of discipleship because we are disciples as we are following the Lord. And so grab your Bible, stand to your feet. You in Proverbs chapter one. Amen. Amen. We're going to read the first seven verses. Look at it with me. Verse one, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel, counsel to understand a proverb and an, an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, Father, this morning, Lord, we do thank you for where you have us in your word. We know that it's got a special, special, special uh, promise for us, things that we'll see and learn that will bless us, Lord. So I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say now, Lord God, removing uh, from our hearts and minds the cares of this life and this world, those things that we're concerned about, Lord God, allow us to lay those down at your feet and focus in on what you have to say. Remove distractions even from the room, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, you really got to turn those those um, devices off. It's really helpful if you do that so you can focus. I was in a conference this week and the guy was standing at the podium teaching and another guy's iPhone went off explaining something that the dude from the podium just said. I mean, these things are always listening. You notice that? So it's good. Turn them off. Um, I think what we're going to do is give the greeters a new ministry for people. If you like, um, they can just take a hammer to them as you come in the door and <laughs> let's get rid of it. Uh, let's turn it off. The Lord wants to speak to us. So Proverbs, a wonderful book, amazing book in that uh, it's been read. Many people read through the book of Proverbs on a monthly basis. It's 31 chapters. So a lot of people love that because they can read a chapter a day. It's very simple. Some people have been doing that their whole spiritual lives and it's caused, except for the month of February, but it's caused them a, a lot of growth because of the way it's laid out. Very simple 
uh, to read. It's wonderful. Even secular people like to reference things from the book of Proverbs. Um, And the book of Proverbs speaks to every area of our life. That's the beauty of it. It's going to talk to you about how you manage your finances and how you run your business and how you as a husband uh, love your wife and wives, your husband and children, you're obeying your parents and and all of these things that we learn uh, in business, in life. Um, It's going to talk to you. It's going to deal with you on your laziness. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and how much you sleep and don't sleep and plan out things and, and stuff like that. And so wonderful for us to begin to look at all of these things as it relates to our lives from the word of God. A lot of very practical things. In fact, verse one, it starts the Proverbs of Solomon, king of, uh, son of David, king of Israel. I love that because Proverbs, literally, it's short parables. I like that short parables. Now, we know what a parable is. A parable is a earthly practical story with the heavenly meaning is a very good way to to speak of it. Jesus used parables in order to draw people in and cause them to think through what he was saying and grow from it. And so it's short parables. Our proverbial teachings are uh, teachings of repetition of practical thoughts in form that will stick to the mind. So there's short practical truths that will cause us to think and it will stick with us. We use them all the time. Uh, you know, they say a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Y'all heard that one? You know, we've used that one. Or don't count your eggs before they. Right. And we could probably do that all day. Y'all could throw some back at me, you know. But you don't forget them, do they? And then they pop up in times when you need them, don't they? You're doing something and one of them things will just pop up. You remember somebody said and you'll use it in order to deal with something that's going on in your life. And so in a lot of ways, that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at Solomon deliver these little short type of proverbs to us in ways that will cause us to learn. And it's mostly Solomon. We know that he writes probably uh, it breaks up a little bit. The first nine chapters of Proverbs of Solomon that are dealing with wisdom and things of that sort. And then he he deals with the contrast in chapters 10 through 24 between the wise son and the and the and the and the uh, and the and the wicked son or the foolish son. And then uh Verse uh, chapters 25 through 29, we begin to see that those are Proverbs of Solomon, but they were copied down by King Hezekiah's servants. So King Hezekiah employed some of his men to copy down some of Solomon's additional Proverbs because he wanted to keep those things because they were so good. Chapter 30 are the words of a man named Augur, who is probably one of Solomon's friends. And so Solomon probably has some influence in those. And then chapter 31, which we all love, don't we? I like it. Don't y'all like chapter 31? I love chapter 31. Chapter 31 is written by a guy named Lemuel, and he's a king. And obviously it tells us it's the instructions that are from his mother. Some believe that Lemuel was another name for Solomon, possibly, uh, which would mean that Bathsheba is influencing this one within her son. But nevertheless, um, it's written by a different person. But the whole point is Solomon It's all attributed to him because Solomon uh, is the main contributor of the Proverbs and influencer of even the ones that he didn't write. And so that is wonderful. Kind of like Solomon is the, uh, excuse me, David is the main contributor for the book of Psalms, although there were other contributors to them as well, right? Y'all know this, okay? But Solomon's main purpose, listen, his main purpose for writing the Proverbs was not so that we could sit here and glean from them. In verse 8 of chapter 1, it seems, he says, my son, hear the instructions of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. In other words, it seems as though he had his children 
in mind. His sons, at least when he was writing these proverbs, he wanted to write these short parables of these truths that they would be able to use them to navigate life more successfully and not make some of the mistakes that he made. And how many of you are parents? You can understand his heart as we begin, because as parents, as Christian parents, the most important thing for all of us as Christian parents, or at least it should be, is that our children come to know the Lord and walk in his wisdom. Amen. Because we know that the Lord can get them exactly where they need to be. And if they get to know him, they're going to be all right. You know, because that is the thing that we all pray for over our children. And so in some ways, the point of Solomon writing is to instruct his sons, to give them wisdom. Yet we get to glean from that and be kind of beneficiaries, if you will, from those things in which he wrote. And so that is what we're going to begin to see as we go through this, his heart towards his children. And all the time we want to speak these things to our children and speak wisdom to our children. We just want them to listen and get it. Um, often young people find it difficult to hear the, the wisdom and the instructions of those who have come before them. One of the things I see, the disappointment on the older people, their faces often is when the young people don't want to listen and they can see them going the wrong way. And they don't want to hear from the older person, you know. And so we'll, we'll talk about that as we go through all of this. Notice these Proverbs are of Solomon, who is known as the wisest man to ever live. Even God called him the wisest man to ever live. And why is he the wisest man to ever live? Because God gave him more wisdom than he gave to any man that ever lived. <laughs> it, it's really simple because, in fact, that's what verse 7 of chapter 1 begins to tell us, which we'll spend a lot of time referencing verse 7, because verse 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, he is the source of all wisdom that we ever need for anything. In fact, James says if any of us lack it, we can ask of him because he gives freely. He desires to distribute those things in which we need. And so we're going to learn a lot about that as we go through the book of Proverbs. God wants to pour out what you are lacking in. And so he's the wisest man to ever live. And the reason he got that title, the reason God gave him so much wisdom is because when Solomon was a young man, Notice it says here in verse 1, the prophets of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. David, the king of Israel, the second king of Israel, Solomon being the third. David was this amazing shepherd king. And David came to the point of death. And Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, along with one of David's good friends and councilmen, they worked and talked with David to secure the kingdom for someone who at least was teachable, and that was Solomon. And so Solomon became king. He's one of the, he was one of the youngest of David's sons. He was the least likely of David's sons to actually become the king. In fact, one of David's other sons was already plotting how he was going to uh, usurp the whole thing and take over. Yet Solomon is the one who became the king and Solomon didn't know a lot of things, but one good thing that Solomon had, and this is very interesting, is that Solomon at least was willing to listen to his dad and carry out his dad's instructions. His dad mentioned a guy who was an enemy, and he says, no, the first thing I need you to do is deal with this dude. And so Solomon dealt with the dude. And I love that. When you read through 1 Kings, I want you to read through that in your homework. Y'all doing okay? Read 1 Kings chapter 1 through 4. Read chapter 9. Read chapter 11. Get the account. Understand what we're dealing with. And so Solomon becomes king and the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3 that he loved the Lord and he was sacrificing and God appeared to him. And he says that if you walk with me, 
like your father David did in his uprightness. I'll be with you. And one of the things that we got to before we dive in too deep, take from just those statements is that God saw David as faithful and upright, even though David had failed miserably. Because when we read the account, David ended up becoming a man who committed adultery. We know that with a lady named Bathsheba had her husband killed to cover the whole thing up. We know the story. The one thing David had going for him, because no one is perfect and without sin. But the one thing David had going for him is that he fell on his face in repentance before the Lord. And listen, that is what we need to understand before we even move further, is that what God desires is, is that we come to him in full repentance, stand close to him, you know, walking with him and turning to him because without him, we will become train wrecked, which is what's going to happen to Solomon. Now, Solomon uh, is, is the Lord appears before him in First Kings chapter three. And the Lord says to him, look, whatever you ask, ask of me and I will give. And so Solomon says, you have made me king over this great nation that you've made. There's the numerous amount of peoples, and I don't know what I'm doing, basically. I'm paraphrasing. And so give me wisdom to govern and lead your people to take care of them. I need understanding. I don't know what I'm doing. Anybody ever felt like they didn't know what they were doing? So God says, since you didn't ask for riches and for me to kill your enemy, because that's what I would have asked for, you know, <laughs> kill, kill my enemy. That's one thing. That'd give me some rest. And then give me riches and fame. He said, you didn't ask for all of these things. Therefore, I'm going to grant you what you ask, but I'm still going to give you riches and fame because of humility. And so God gave Solomon wisdom beyond his ability and his years. I'm painting a picture here. And so it becomes very evident, listen, that the hand of God is upon him to the whole nation that he's wiser than his years would produce. And the first way it's seen is that he is judging Israel and two women come in with an issue. Well, you already know there's going to be problems now, right? <laughs> two women come in fighting with an issue before the king. And this one woman has a baby in her arms and the other lady is crying out and saying, she took my baby and, and everything. And, and Solomon's like, well, well, what happened? Tell me the story. Well, this lady rolled over and killed her baby uh, in the middle of the night. And so she then took her dead baby and put him in the bed next to me and took my baby into her bosom. And when I woke up in the morning, I, I noticed that my baby was dead. Only when I examined my baby, I realized it wasn't my baby. And when I see her, she's got my baby. And Solomon says, okay, so you say it's your baby and you say it's your baby. And both of you are saying that it's your baby. So he calls one of his men and says, hey, bring me a sword. Divide the baby in half, give half to this woman and half to that woman. And, and that way, we, you know, they both have a half of the baby. And then the woman to whom the baby belong, its mother, cries out, no, don't divide the baby. Give him to her. She's the mother. Don't divide the baby. Solomon says, she's the mom. Give the baby to her. <laughs> because a mother, listen, a real mother would rather lose her baby to another person than have her baby killed. And Solomon understood that the wisdom of the Lord being upon him and all Israel feared, realizing that this was not your normal kind of dude. You know, <laughs> this king had the favor of God on his life. And so 
Solomon becomes known as the wisest man to ever live. When you examine in chapter 4, 1 Kings, Solomon, it says that he ruled over this whole region, uh, subdued it. There was a time of peace, largely because his father went to war to secure the peace. But Solomon was able to manage those affairs and govern in a time of peace. And and, and his kingdom was large. His fame went out. He had uh, brilliant Uh, inventions and ways of doing things and and everything grew and prospered under his leadership. People came from far just to get a glimpse of the things that were going on with Solomon and he became so wise he even wrote proverbs and instructions and things about uh, the the actual creation that's out there. He understood uh, plants and animals and things in ways that they never had before and they were completely amazed at him. And he writes these proverbs about all these things concerning life, like how to not be seduced by this strange woman or ladies by the strange man and not to fall into adultery and sexual sin. But yet in all of that, he himself fell into those very things. And then we have to consider this truth as we now dive into the book of Proverbs. We have to consider this truth that even though you can be endowed with great knowledge, there's still, listen, there's still a necessary thing to keep it all together. And it's not the amount of knowledge you have. It's that we realize in verse 7 that the fear of the Lord, notice it says, is the beginning of knowledge. And if we drift away from that, this reverence for, this closeness for, this this lifting God up in worship, this fear, if you will, of, of uh, of being unfaithful to him and drifting away from him, that very fear that drives you to your knees, that makes you prostrate sometimes, it does me before the Lord in prayer, is that thing that keeps you in the constant flow of receiving his wisdom and his understanding and his instruction that you can navigate life. And if you don't do that, it's like a house of cards coming down. It's like playing Jenga. God is holding it all together until you walk away from him. And God said to Solomon, he says, Solomon, you know, be careful with these strange women because they will take your heart away from me. The Bible says in chapter 11, Solomon loved foreign women. He had two or three daughters of the pharaohs in his harem. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and he collected, he loved them. He couldn't get enough, and eventually they turned his heart to their gods. And next thing you know, this wisest man to ever live is building high places and sacrificing to other gods, and he falls away. And so as we begin to dive into a book of wisdom, the wisest parable of the whole book is that if you stay close to the Lord, he is the source of everything that you need for understanding. In fact, I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23 when he spoke uh, verse 1 through 3, he spoke to the multitude of his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, therefore whatever they tell you to do, uh, to observe uh, uh, that observe and do, but what, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. Jesus says the Pharisees are the master hypocrites because they tell you to follow the word of God, but they go do something opposite. I love that. Jesus said, look, even here, what Solomon has written before us is what we need to observe. 
you know, one of the struggles I used to have with the Song of Solomon, here is Solomon trying to tell me about being faithful to one woman, and he has all of these women in his harem. You know, Lord, I can't, I can't listen to this dude. But in fact, he is giving us wisdom as he spoke according to what God had given him. And so now we dive in, and he says here in verse 2, as we get into some of the meat of this with the time we have left, notice it says, to know wisdom and instruction. He wants his son, his children to know wisdom and he wants them to know instruction. And it gets kind of good as we begin to dive into this because I skipped some stuff in my notes, but I ran out of time first service. So that's probably a good thing. <laughs> the Lord knows I got stuff in here that y'all don't even need to hear. God is so good to know wisdom and instruction. The Oxford Dictionary defines wisdom as it relates to a person possessing it, it says that wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, the quality of being wise, as in listen to words of wisdom. And the Oxford Dictionary also says, as it relates to using wisdom in situations, it, it speaks of the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. So if you're taking notes, I would kind of define it this way, it is the ability to apply sound judgment, which has been gained through either careful consideration or experience. And I say this because you can gain wisdom either by lear uh, learning, believing and applying God's word, or you can gain wisdom through life experience, learning the hard way through mistakes and both. I've done in both ways. Haven't you? Look, I've had I got some lessons I learned the hard way. I got the bumps and the bruises to prove those, you know. And then I got other lessons, which after a few bumps and bruises, I began to realize, you know, some people know what they're talking about. <laughs> and through listening and observing, I can begin to realize that, you know what, I don't want to go that way because I saw that dude go that way and it didn't work out. And one, one of the blessings of being in ministry now, with all of that I've been doing now for years, I think that one of the things I've learned, I've been around pastors who've been pastoring for 30 and 40 years, and the beauty is when you listen to them talk, you hear all of their mistakes and how hard the lessons were and the pains that they went through. Or that's like listening to an older man who's been married for 50 years. I'm still, I'm just 20 in. He's talking. I'm like, man, you know, I'm listening to these things and I'm I'm taking mental notes because there's something to what this person has learned that I need to take uh, heart to. And, that, and that's part of this thing. It talks about, listen, the, the application of knowledge and things that have been learned. How do you apply it? Because you can have all the knowledge in the world. But if you don't have wisdom to know how to correctly use that knowledge, it won't amount to much. Does that make sense? There are people who are scientists who don't have the fear of the Lord. And so their knowledge leads them down some strange paths. You know, I think about Bill Gates. Very knowledgeable, but without the fear of the Lord. So his solution to things never makes sense. He thinks the world is getting hotter. It's going to burn up. So we need to put some particles in the sky to reflect the sun rays so we can cool it down. I'm like, man, I don't think that makes a lot of sense, Bill. <laughs> you know, 
Now they, he, they're coming up with this other plan that, well, you know, water is not being distributed like it should because of global warming. So we're going to create these false clouds, this atmospheric condition in which the moisture is absorbed out of the atmosphere and, and it gets heavy and falls in a particular location. I'm saying, so you're going to try to recreate the system that God has already put in place, which is only going downhill because we're turning away from him. And it doesn't work out, Bill. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of real knowledge. Not the PhD. Those things are fine. But it begins with the Lord. So here, this wisdom, which is the application of knowledge and understanding and things that have been experienced, to be able to use it the right way in the right time. Notice he says, to know wisdom and instruction. I love instruction here because it speaks of discipline, which we'll come back to it. But it seems as though this to know, which I love, it's a precise knowledge of something. It's not guesswork. It means to be skilled at something, not to actually completely know it and be skilled at it. And, and that's what this word actually uh, to know actually means here. And so Solomon is writing to his son, his children, and he wants them, listen, to be skilled at using knowledge and, you, and, and applying the things that they've learned in the time that they need it so they can be successful in this life and not make a, bunch of, make a bunch of mistakes. The NIV writes it this way, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words and insights, he desires his children to walk the right way, and he wants them to be skilled at applying knowledge. He doesn't want them to be foolish you know, in fact, it says over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, it says, For everyone who partakes only, in, uh, uh, only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But notice this, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, he explains, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying is that as disciples go, those who receive the word and haven't learned yet to apply it in their lives are like babes still sucking on the milk bottle. But he's saying, but those who have taken the word, listen, and learn by reason of use, using the word in their daily lives to apply it to every situation, figuring that the word is true. Even if we don't have understanding, I can trust it. And by reason of use, they have grown and become matured and they have become skilled in applying the very word to their everyday life. One of the things that um, I was sharing in the first service is that when people come in to receive counsel here at the church, one of the things that we start with is, do you believe that the answer to everything in life and specifically the situation that you're in right now that you're coming to talk about, that the answer to that can be found in the word of God? And if the answer is yes, then I say, well, great, then let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to lead us into the answers that we need from the word of God. And so we dive in and we pray and we let God's word then direct what needs to happen next. Um, you know, uh, discipleship is all about learning to apply God's word in our lives every day. That's what we're growing in. You know, one of the things, and just to give you a, like a little preview, heads up, if you call the church for marriage counseling, the first thing the lady that answered the phone is going to say is, great, do you attend marriage fellowship? 
Do you, are you engaging in what the Bible calls, which is fellowship? You know, that we, because iron can sharpen iron, and are we, are we doing what the Scripture says? And, and it, because it's so important that we begin to realize that, man, God has given me everything. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has been supplied. The Bible says as newborn babes, we should desire the, the sincere milk of the word. But then it says that we may grow thereby. Growth is caused by receiving and learning to apply, becoming skilled at walking out what this says, not what everybody's opinion is. <laughs> Amen. And it's so wonderful to begin to see this. So, because see, look, here's what the opposite of that is. The opposite the writer of the book of Ephesians gives us. Uh, Paul, when he was writing to the church of, uh, of Ephesus in chapter 4, Verse 14 is on the screen. I'm going to read starting at verse 11. He says that he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer on the screen be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things until him who is the head, even Christ, that we're not moved, he's saying, by every wind of doctrine that blows through, but because we're becoming skilled at applying the word of God, we begin to realize the way which we should go, and we are not easily moved off that path. Solomon is not trying to write to his children a cute little book of parables that they could put on the back of the toilet seat and you pick one out every time you go in to look at while you're sitting there. No, he wants them to take these things and put them to use like tools in the hand. Notice he says in verse 2, to know wisdom, to be skilled in the use of, 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 of applying the word of God and instruction which I'll mention again, instruction means discipline. Notice he says here, though, to perceive the words of understanding. To perceive is good. It literally means to discern something, to discern here the words of understanding, to be able to, to get it in understanding, to have senses exercised to discern both good and evil is what he's saying there. There's something that happens, listen, as we Turn to the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the witness, the beginning of, uh, of knowledge, excuse me. And so we begin to be able to discern it as we turn to him. But I think likewise, listen, as we go away from him into sin, not obeying him, there's a bit of wisdom that we begin to lose. When God was calling Isaiah in chapter 6, y'all doing okay? In uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And God was sending Isaiah to preach to Judah, which was turning away from him, this mighty nation that had seen all the miracles. God said to him, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. You keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their eyes heavy and shut their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their, their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. You see, I think wisdom can fade away as we walk away from the Lord in the sin. And we can begin to lose even that which has been gained. And this is what we have to be very careful in because it comes from God. It flows forth from him. And in order to gain it, we need to stay close to him. In fact, look at that verse 3. Verse 3 says to receive instruction and wisdom. I love this because this word receive, it means literally to take hold of. It means to grab it and hold it tight, to grab hold of that thing and possess it. Instruction of wisdom. Notice instruction is the discipline of chastening. 
In other words, there's a bit of discipline and correction that's coming into this. We're going to lay hold of this, that God may continue to chasten us through the power of his word in our lives. God's word changes people's lives. And what Solomon is saying to his children is very interesting as I begin to go through this, because this word wisdom is a feminine noun. And, and he's saying, take hold of it. This is very interesting as we begin to go through this because I get the picture as he's talking to his son. And you got to think about it this way. Sometimes some of, the, some of the things, the parables, the pictures we get are hard to understand. Like, for instance, when God calls the church his bride, um, for, for most of the men in the room, that's a difficult way for us to see it. I mean, I don't want to be nobody's bride. I'm a man. You know, what's he talking about here? And so, but collectively, we're part of the bride. And when you really spend time on it, it kind of makes sense. Although most of the men in the room, we still ain't fully there yet. Right? Mo- right, guys? It's like, Jesus, we, we trust you, but it don't really, it don't really feel right, you know? <laughs> Ladies, so you got you to gotta, you gotta stay with me on this one, okay? It's almost as though Solomon talking to his son is beginning to say something to him. This wisdom, this prize the feminine noun a version of this is almost because we're going to be seeing it personified like a like crying out from the streets in a female sense as we go through these chapters. OK, y'all stay with me. So it's almost as if he's saying, son, I need you to pursue after wisdom and lay hold of it the same way you pr- would pursue after your wife. Now, when you put it in that perspective, I like that because when I pursued that beautiful woman I saw, where I held up traffic and caused a traffic jam and problems just to get a phone number for, and I pursued it, you know. And, and so here it is 20 years later, and, and you, you know, the pursuit can't stop because they change and they grow through the years. And you have to continuously learn to be skilled, if you will, at pursuing and laying hold of that person that God has given. And I began to look at it that way, just like you would pursue your wife, guys. God is saying, pursue after wisdom and understanding because you can only find it from me, is what God was saying, and in his word. And so he's calling us to learn to do that. And this word for instruction, this, it means to be disciplined and to be chastened, which is a good thing. Look, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 11 said this. He says, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You notice that? So there's a there's a bit of chastening that goes on as I'm laying hold of to become skilled in applying the word of God to my life. But this is the only way that I can truly be a disciple. Otherwise, I don't have anything to go on but earthly understanding of worldly knowledge, which at the end of the day is not good enough for the man or woman of God. And so Paul says this in First Corinthians, chapter nine, verse 24, speaking of his walk, he says, um, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Everybody competes. They line up. They wait for the gun. But only one receives the prize. So he says, then run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, run like you're going to win a prize. He says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. In other words, he learns to be temperate, self-control. He's chasing his life. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, some piece of metal trophy that's going to burn one day. He says, but we for an imperishable crown, something eternal. Therefore, Paul says, I run in this way. I run thus, it says, in this way, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He says, I ain't shadow boxing in this spiritual battle because it's a real deal. He says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, 
lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And I love that there's an element of discipline that comes along with growth and pursuing after this wisdom. And Solomon wants his children to know this. Verse 4, and then I'll come back and tie it together. Notice it says here to give prudence to the simple. I like that word prudence. It, it kind of speaks of a bit of shrewdness. It kind of means cautious judgment because the simple person is not that way naturally. If you ever met somebody simple and they kind of, you know, uh, they, you, can, you know if they go in there to negotiate, they're going to get taken to the bank. You know, you don't want them to go alone. You would not let them. You don't. That's the person. You don't give them the money on the missions trip because maybe they, <laughs> they don't lose all of it or overspend or something. It's that person that's kind of simple. It says here to give prudence, a bit of shrewdness, cautious judgment to the person who doesn't have it. There's a theme that's being built here. And, and, and so and to the young man, knowledge and discretion. I love discretion. The, the Greek implies uh, something that is, has direction and purpose. It also means to speaking in such a way to, as to not cause offense or to leak private, sensitive information. This is something that maybe the young person naturally wouldn't have. Naturally, by themselves, they would probably mess up, divulge something they shouldn't. I like the Andy Griffith show, Opie's that way. And me and my son got something, and I'd be like, we're about to go in somewhere. I'm like, hey, don't pull an Opie. That means be quiet. Let me do the talking. You know, he's grown, though, so we joke now a lot. But, but the, young, the young man may not be able to do this but he, he says here to give the young man knowledge and discretion. So now what he's saying is that the young man, listen, the young man can actually have this. The simple man can actually become shrewd. What is he saying? He said the whole point here is that the source of all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding is of God. And so the person that doesn't have it can come to God and begin to receive that which he doesn't have. This is what we have been called to believe. This is what we're being called to know. You notice he says here, wise man. And here's the thing. The man who is in pursuit of this, that's the wise man. He will hear and increase in learning. I love that. A wise man will hear and increase even the more. Whereas the fool doesn't want to hear instruction, but the wise man will continue to increase. I can, this past week, I'm pursuing after God, but I was at a conference. And I, at the conference, I got to sit and listen. One of the things I've learned is that no matter especially in an environment like Calvary Chapel where we're trained and discipled to be teachers of the word of God. So when you're here at church and a man stands in the pulpit, it doesn't matter which one of the leaders it actually is. And you come with an open heart, you're going to grow as you hear the word being taught, even from the other person. And when I sit, I grow when the other person is teaching. I'm sitting the night at the, at the marriage ministries. I will grow in my marriage as God uses someone else. So the wise man is listening, listen for the voice of the Lord not to be entertained by man. This is a mistake that a lot of people who are used to topical teachers at, at teachings at places where the word is not heavy in the message. There's a lot of talking and maybe one or two light scriptures and a real fluffy version so nobody gets lost or offended, okay? I'm just being real. Don't get offended. If you're offended, maybe you need to think about it. So, but it's the word of God which speaks to us. It's the word of God which we're called to grow from and, and be nurtured by. And so, therefore, when you show up with the heart to hear what God has to say and this is open, 
you almost guarantee you're going to hear something and you're going to grow in wisdom. It's almost a guaranteed thing. It's almost like one of those things that can't fail because it's his word. Did you believe it? He said heaven and earth will pass away, but this by no means, not one jot or tittle. Therefore, if you're sitting here this morning with a heart to hear from the Lord and Pastor Kevin has had one of the worst weeks you could ever imagine. I didn't, but I'm saying if that were the case. <laughs> but your heart is to hear and I open this up and read. You're guaranteed to begin to grow from it. Um, so I'm running out of time. He says here, a wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will obtain wise counsel. You're going to receive that as you're seeking. In verse six, it says for the purpose, and I have to come back to this next week to understand a proverb, a parable and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. But verse seven, which is where we need to be here, it says, but here's the big thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. They don't want to receive it. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of it. In other words, the reverence of God and who he is and the power of his word, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the beginning of real knowledge with the application. That's the wisdom to properly apply it as a skilled disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. It works like this. Through the years, one thing I've, I've trusted as I went into ministry, I trusted that what I lacked, the Lord would provide. So throughout the years now, it's almost 14 years, there are times when I'm like, I don't know what to do. Well, that's, that's a lot of the time, actually. <laughs> actually, most of the time, because it works out better when I acknowledge I don't know what to do. And I'm relying on God to provide wisdom in that moment. I was telling the first survey, it can be one of those days where it's been a long day, meeting after meeting after meeting, and there's one more late meeting in the afternoon, and I'm like, Lord, I have nothing to give to anyone. I can't even think straight. And somebody's on their way here who's been, their life's been devastated, and they're going to be looking at me for some answers of which I have none left. And I simply say, Lord, you know what's needed for those who are coming. And Lord, I have nothing left, but Lord, if you would bless them, if you would speak to them, and then out of nowhere comes the answers that are needful in that moment. And so what I have learned, and this is what he's trying to tell us, look, the, the simple man can receive the prudence that he needs. Um, the young man who is not, uh, doesn't have experience, is not skilled, the young man can receive knowledge and discretion because the source of it all is God himself. Amen. And his word is powerful. And so as we begin to go through this, that's the thing I want you to hang on to. What you lack, you can come to him and he will give freely and he will provide those things which you need. He will cause you to have wisdom that is beyond your years, your training, your education, and the lack of letters or the plethora of letters behind your name doesn't matter. The real wisdom belongs to and comes from the Lord himself. Amen? Amen. Amen. He shows up. He gives answers. He gives direction. He gives plans. He gives you ways of looking at things that it didn't make sense to you before, and yet he reveals it to you in such a way that now you kind of know what to do, and you trust him and follow him, and it works out in ways that, man, and you walk away. I walk away from that late meeting saying, man, you are awesome. I don't even know why I was worried. 
Lord, you showed up. You gave me the, the direction when I didn't have it. That is what he will do for you if you would trust him. And just, just, just to end with this application, because I know most of you are going to work tomorrow. And this I applied before I was a pastor in the secular world when I had rough days ahead and I sat in my car in the morning in the parking lot at First Citizens Bank with my Bible open saying, Lord, I don't know how to deal with this person today. I don't know how this meeting's going to go. Lord, I don't know. And I'm just talking to him and I'm asking him. And then you see, here's faith because faith without works is dead. Then when, when you come to a place through prayer and seeking answers and direction from his word and you come to a place of peace and you, you stand to your feet and you walk in faith to go do now what it is that you're supposed to do. And he shows up in the minute, at the moment, in the boardroom, cubicle room, examination room, classroom and delivers. And then you praise him because you say, I'm, 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 I'm lacking nothing. Because I'm a child of the God who has everything. And he wants to work with me in the midst of what I'm doing. He wants to be with me. He'll help you negotiate when you got to negotiate. And I've seen him show up in, in, in times and he's there. And so I'm looking forward to going on this journey with us. But we're really out of time now. But I want to encourage you to call upon him. Bow your heads as the worship team comes up. Because tomorrow maybe some of you have a difficult week ahead. Some of you have been talking about, you know, the job changes, there's department changes, there's all kind of things happening. You're trying to, to walk and occupy until the Lord comes for his church and you just don't know what to do. But I would encourage you as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, he has not called you to do anything by yourself. And we seem to think that he doesn't want to be involved in everything. Close your eyes, bow your heads because somebody needs this. But God wants to be with you and help you with every aspect of your life. So for the person who needs wisdom this week, hey, raise your hand. Let me conclude with that prayer. Father, you see the hands that went up in this room. You know what every person needs, Lord God. I pray that you would supply it by the power of your spirit, that you would show it to them in your word, Lord God, and that you would give them the boldness by faith to then walk forward and put into practice that which you speak to them about, Lord God. And I pray that you would just show up and show them your glory this week and bless. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you have done for being here with us this morning. I pray for safety for all of the families represented as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's stand and sing.